My name is Pat. I'm a pastor here. I'm really excited to start this series on the Lord's Prayer. We're calling it Our Father's Heart. Could have called it the Lord's Prayer as well, but the reason why we're calling this series Our Father's Heart is our hope in prayer is that you would see as we go through this series that the Lord's Prayer reveals who God is to us and has the power to reset how we're relating to him. And uh, that's our hope. At Cottonwood, what we want to do is to help people find and follow Jesus. And I think that this uh, series can help us to grow in our intimacy with God. And if you want to follow Jesus, you have to trust him. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to learn how to be his friend. And Jesus gave this prayer as an example when his disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. And he repeated it multiple times in the Gospels, which probably to me means he repeated it more than that. Probably his disciples heard it fairly frequently. You may have heard it fairly frequently. I believe this, that this Prayer can help us to reset our false beliefs about God, lies that we believe about God and ourselves maybe in relationship to him, and misconceptions that we fall into. I also believe that this is a pathway to, I'm going to say it, might make you uncomfortable, intimacy. The word intimacy makes you uncomfortable. You will be uncomfortable for the next eight weeks, hopefully. Because I think the Lord's Prayer has an intimate window into God's heart. It's a vulnerable word. It may be uncomfortable. I'm with you if you're uncomfortable. This morning, my title is even more vulnerable. It's Our Father's Daddy Heart. And uh, I stood around here with mostly men this morning as we had our pre-service meeting. Terry was there as well. And I said, how many of you are comfortable relating to God as your daddy? Is that a comfortable way to think? Not really, for most of us, whether you're male or female. I believe that we're invited to do that. I actually believe that if we don't, we're probably missing something in how we're relating to God. And so I hope that you see that here this morning. Here's an overview of where we're going to head this series. We're going to go phrase by phrase through this prayer, which you probably know. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That talks about our Father's heart. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our Father's kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread, our Father's provision. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, our Father's forgiveness. Do not lead us into temptation, our Father's guidance. But deliver us from the evil one, our Father's protection. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, our Father's glory, amen, our Father's commitment, and an invitation for us to say I agree as well. In preparation for this, uh, this series, I'm reading a book, which if you want a great companion to this series, you, you could probably read it in a week. Uh, it's a pretty short, thin little book. It's called A Layman Looks at the Lord's Prayer. It's by Philip Keller, W. Philip Keller. He's written several short books. He's a layman, which means he never was a pastor, but he was a godly man and had some great things to say. Pretty good author. Uh, Makes sense to me. And I'm going to read you an introduction that he had at the beginning of this book. 
The profound eternal concepts compressed into the Lord's Prayer's few concise phrases shine with enduring brilliance. These truths radiated from the very heart of our Lord as he moved among men. It wasn't just something he said. It radiated out of his heart and how he interacted with people. They embraced the deepest secrets of God, quietly stated in human language of disarming simplicity. It's a pretty simple prayer. Some of the petitions included in this prayer by Christ were utterly revolutionary. And here's the phrase I want you to really think about. If fully grasped by us, they can overturn much of our own wrong thinking about God. He ha- thinks the same thing that I have been thinking. I actually, this, this series has been brewing for about, actually, the seed was planted for it about seven years ago. I, was, uh, I went on a wilderness trip to the desert, a, a solitude trip where I spent a week in Joshua Tree Desert all alone, well, not alone, but basically alone. There's other people to make sure we didn't get eaten by coyotes, kind of checked in every night, waved across the valley at them. But it was a solitude retreat, and I met a, another pastor. He's still the pastor in a, a church in Michigan, and he shared this little tool on the Lord's Prayer that they use at their church, and I have thought about it frequently and I think now's the time for us to look at the Lord's Prayer here at our church. So we're going to go phrase by phrase. Initially, it's going to be word by word. Here's, here we go. Our Father. The word our is plural. It's not singular. It's not my Father. It's our Father. Jesus was saying my Father and ours to those who were in his presence. It was his, he was speaking to God as Father, which was pretty revolutionary. It's common for us to think about but it was not common for people in Jewish culture to think about. Not, not so familiarly and intimately. So I have a few questions. I'm going to actually give you a lot of questions today and throughout this series because I think the words that we say, if we think about what they mean and ask questions, they can help us understand whether we're entering into the truth that's revealed in those words. Our, are you learning, am I learning and worshiping Solo or in community with other people who are members of daddy's family? Am I doing it on my own or am I with other people? Because our, this is intended to be a communal, a community experience of relating to God. God's family is not a single, he's not a single parent. Some people are single parents. It's a tough road. God actually, God, I'm sorry, he's a single parent, but We're not single children. We're not only children. We're in a big family with other people. So here's an example of why this is important. Do you know know what happens at my house in the summer if my kids are at the pool, which we have a pool up usually most years, and one of them ends up inside and walks out with an ice cream bar? Well, they immediately interrogate that child and ask, where they got it, which they know the answer to. Um, hope, more than likely, they didn't just take it on their own because our children know there would be consequences for that if that happened at our house. And they have to ask permission for that at our house. And so they would say, who gave it to you? And probably they would hear, mom or dad gave it to me. And then there would be a trail of dripping footprints up the steps of our garage into our house across our kitchen to find mom or dad and ask if they could also have an ice cream bar, right? That's natural. Think about that uh, when you are in a place where you're wondering if God gives 
good gifts. And one of your family members has a really good gift. Doesn't that help you remember a little bit of something about the character of your heavenly father? That our, our, our heavenly father wants to, has good intentions toward us. Uh, that's why I believe that following Christ is a communal experience. We can remind each other about who dad is in heaven, what he's like, and it can help us in some ways to reset how we're thinking about God. Here's another example. So this started with my oldest daughter, and as we would write notes or letters to each other or cards on birthdays or whatever, now it's maybe a text or an email, and it's not as often as it used to be, but on occasion it still is, I will, at the end of a note, write, still your daddy. And sometimes she'll write, or one of my girls will write, still your girl. It's an intimate, warm, and personal message that only I can say to them. It's also pretty vulnerable because it's admitting the tenderness that I feel towards my kids. I just want you to know this morning that God feels that way about you. Whether you can sense that or whether you experience that in your walk with God, he actually is calling you his boy, his girl, his little boy, his little girl. For some people who have had the privilege of relating to their fathers as daddy for a long time, perhaps a privileged few, their earthly fathers, maybe even for a lifetime, you have this benefit of having a really positive, rich relationship that has helped you probably understand some of what God's heart is for you. Not everyone has had that experience. And actually, everyone has had an imperfect picture of what our Father, our Daddy in Heaven is like. Because guess what? Even though your dad's, you might have had a really awesome dad, he was not perfect, because we can't be. And some of you have had a really difficult, maybe even horrible experience because your parents made some really big mistakes and hurt you. That's common. God wants to be the daddy you never had and fill in all the gaps that you had experienced with your dad. That's his heart for you. That's his heart for me. That's what he wants. <clears throat> and I'll just say it this way. No matter what your fathering experience is, a part of coming to Christ, being adopted into God's family, is that you and I need to be re-fathered in ways we recognize and ways we don't to our daddy in heaven. Some of us have had a bit of a better base to build on, but we all have to learn how to maintain and grow in our relationship with our daddy in heaven. And I think this Lord's Prayer is a significant pathway to helping us get refathered to God. Here's my first goal for the series is to reset our false beliefs and our lies and our misconceptions about God. And let me just tell you that those creep in usually into our souls without us noticing. It's not something we consciously do. We don't stop thinking on purpose, God, you're not good or you don't care about me. That stuff sort of seeps in, and we act that way without thinking about it, usually. Secondly, I think the Lord's Prayer can lead us to a deep, contented, 
peaceful, loving trust in God as our daddy, just like a three-year-old resting in the love of their mom or dad. I have a three-year-old right now. I have six kids. Our youngest is three. Two weeks ago, our older kids all made plans to go skiing or snowboarding. We, Andre and I weren't going to go, and we stayed home with our three-year-old. And I'll tell you that our three-year-old was really excited. They went on Saturday. Wednesday, she started talking about getting to spend time with mom and dad. And do you know what she was really excited to do with mom and dad? Play hedgehogs. You guys play hedgehogs? You have that game at your house? It's not a board game. It's what it is. It's, it's pretending to be hedgehogs, which she does sometimes with her older sisters who graciously play with her. She was excited all week to do this. I'm glad she was excited all week because I had all week to get over my embarrassment <laughs> about getting on my hands and knees and playing hedgehogs with my three-year-old. But Andre and I did it. It actually was only about five or ten minutes of time. Three-year-olds don't have that long of an attention span, which in this case I was sort of grateful for. Why was it embarrassing to get on the floor and play hedgehogs with my three-year-old? It's just me. It's just my wife. It's just my three-year-old. I think why it was embarrassing is because I have been conditioned and trained to think that my value comes from productivity and playing hedgehogs is not productive. It is really not accomplishing anything. It does not seem important at all. Does it seem important to you? It doesn't seem important to me. I want to let you know that God delights to just be with you, and he delights for you to just be with him, and you don't have to do anything to make that time precious and valuable to him. That's the first word, our. Now, Father, we've touched on it here a little bit in that story. Our Father, Daddy, can, can I ask my Daddy in heaven for anything? Can I tell my Daddy in he heaven anything? My three-year-old can boldly ask me at 9.30 at night, which is already after her bedtime, if she can have candy, or worse, gum. Great idea. You're already late for bed. The answer is always no. But she's unhindered in bringing whatever is on her heart to her mom or her dad. Are you hindered from bringing anything on your heart to your mom? Well, really, we're talking about your dad. To your daddy in heaven? She knows that her daddy or her mommy are the one who knows and is able to provide and fulfill whatever she needs. And so she just asks for it, even if it doesn't make any sense. God would love for you and I to be in that same kind of space with him, where we would feel free, at least, to ask him for what doesn't make sense, to tell him what doesn't make sense, and he'll listen lovingly, graciously, help us, maybe guide us into where, we need, where we're a little bit off base. Uh, my wife passed a podcast on to me. We do this back and forth often that I listened to a few weeks ago. It's, uh, the podcast is, title is Glorious in the Mundane. 
Uh, Christy Knuckles is the one who does this podcast. You, you might know Christy. Um, when I was um, in college, this thing called Passion Conference started. It's a worship conference for young people. And she was one of the worship leaders. Um, she's uh, led worship at that time with people like Chris Tomlin and David Crowder and Charlie Hall. And she was actually interviewing Lauren Tomlin on this podcast, Chris Tomlin's wife. And it was a motherhood um, podcast. It was, I think, on Mother's Day. We are talking about the difficulty, the challenges of being a mom, where the pace is frantic and schedules are crazy. But then they came back to kind of that story I shared about hedgehogs. Uh, they talked about being present in floor time with your little ones and how it doesn't feel like the jackpot, but it is the jackpot. The culture says you're not getting, this is what Lauren said, the culture says you're not getting enough done, you're not offering enough, you're not serving enough, and this is a waste. You're playing hedgehogs on the floor or pushing a train. She went on to say that presence with your children gives purpose and meaning and value to another person. Your presence communicates that. And there's one thing that every mother bestows, this would work for a father as well, but it is a sense of being. It's simple and it's everything. When you're engaged and devoted and offering affection and playing and putting down the things that have, and you give focused attention, what you communicate to your child by just being present, playing hedgehogs or pushing a train or whatever it is, is what you're saying to them, nothing else in this world matters but you right now. And that is so powerful. What an investment a mom or a dad, an earthly mom or a dad can make in their child's life. I just want you to know that that's God's heart towards you as well. You are, in this moment, his favorite, okay? Now, if I call one of my kids my favorite kid, that's a mistake. God can tell you You are my favorite, and he can mean it, and he can tell the person sitting next to you, you are my favorite, and he can mean it, because he's actually eternal, and there's no end to his love where there is for us. You are your dad's favorite. Our Father, okay, we got two words down, see if we can get through the rest of the verse. Our Father who art, who is, or which is. Or sometimes they skip the verb is and just say in heaven, depending on your translation. But there actually is a verb there, is, who is, and it's an important one. I am is how God identifies himself in the scripture. It means he's eternally pre-existent. That means he has always existed before any other thing has existed, and he always has existed That's why he says, my name is I am to Moses. Jesus claimed it for himself. And that means your daddy in heaven is a real person. He's not pretend. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's not there when you think he's there or when you feel that he's there. And when he doesn't feel like he's there, he's not really there. He's a real person. Does your mind believe that God is a real loving per- person and does your daily experience 
show that too? Does it feel like he's a real living person? So one of the questions that I would ask you to, as you go through this Lord's Prayer is probably many of you will know this stuff is true. Does it feel true here as well? Because God does want you to know that it's true, but how you, what you feel and what you've experienced day to day is as important. Now, what you know up here in your mind is very important. I'm not saying the truth is not. It is true. But it's not one or the other. It's actually both. It's like knowing that your spouse loves you and feeling it. You want both, right? God wants both for us. There's a disconnect somewhere if something that I know is true that doesn't feel true. And that's worth exploring. It's worth exploring. Why is that? Why do I know that he's good, but I don't feel that he's good? That's worth thinking about, even asking God about, maybe even talking to him. God, I know you're good. Why don't I feel it? Now, I'm not saying base your life on your feelings. I'm just saying that God's best is that they connect together, that you would know and feel that. Sometimes it takes some time. I would say this is not helpful. It's not helpful to say, I'm just going to value my, what I know to be true in my mind over my feelings and forget them and just go with my mind. That's actually an inconsistent way to live, and it won't last long, actually, because what you have to do is you have to lie to yourself about your feelings. You have to say, oh, I don't really feel that, or I'm not going to really listen to that. I think it's actually helpful to listen to it and question it and ponder it and ask for God's help to line them up somehow, because he wants that to have be your reality. Here's a better way. Ask the question, why? Why doesn't it feel true even though I know it's true? Maybe it's because you're disappointed with God or some other circumstance. Maybe you actually are angry at him or hurt by him or you just feel distanced from him or disconnected from him and he wants to help with those. Okay, our Father who art in heaven. In the scriptures, heaven describes three different things. Heaven describes, sometimes it's used to describe our physical atmosphere. You know why there's life on this planet and not other planets? It's because we have an atmosphere that we can actually breathe, right? It's not like the moon where there's no atmosphere and everything just is out in space. That's one aspect of heaven. God is there because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Heaven can also mean like what you look at night up in the sky, the galaxy, the stars, the, the sun, the moon, our solar, solar system, the rest of the physical universe, that can also describe heaven, like the heavens declare the glory of God. God is also there. And the third way that heaven is used in the scriptures is the eternal spiritual home where he exists all the time and that he's going to bring his family to after their existence on earth is done. And God is there too. God is everywhere. He's a spiritual being. So here's a question. Am I living as though the spiritual realm is really real? Is that real every day? Is that kind of how I go through life, that that's actually real, that there's a spiritual realm that exists, that even though God is invisible, he's real? <laughs> I remember reading a book that helped me because, you know what, it's, it's kind of a little bit more difficult to have a relation with some, relationship with someone who's invisible. Can I get a witness? <laughs> it's easier because I'm used to relating people I can see and hold hands with or touch. 
or hear audibly with my ears, physical ears. It's harder to relate to God who isn't physically present. And if that's hard, I found that it's just helpful to talk to him about it. God, this is hard. This isn't easy. I need your help. He's willing to do that as well. Heaven is a real place. We, we, we sang about it in Who You Say I Am, uh, that there is a home for us in heaven eternally. You have a place when you get adopted into the family. It's sort of like you get a room set up, your own place in God's heavenly home. Our Father who art in heaven. Are we living like that? It's helpful to think about this. Can I really say this prayer with conviction of mind and heart? Our Father who art in heaven, and here's the next phrase, hallowed be. Hallowed is an old word. Oftentimes it says your name is holy or may your name be honored as holy. That's a good word. Hallowed or hallowed, if you want to say it that really old-fashioned way, has a lot of depth to it. It really, what we're really saying when we say this is that my daddy is different than every other being. He's unique, uniquely good, uniquely honest. He's the only unbiased, objective judge. Have you ever wished there was a really unbiased, objective judge? There is. He's your dad in heaven. He's fully truthful. He's loving. He's full of grace and truth. He's actually full of wrath towards sin and evil at the same time as he's fully loving toward people who are imperfect in sin. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to most of us. I have a little visual aid here. I have some people in my house who like these. This is a Rubik's Cube. That's actually who made it popular. They're called speed cubes. There's all kinds of competitions and stuff for this. But I want you to think about this for a minute. God is, part of what makes God holy is he can be holy, as in W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely something that is different at the same time. It's hard for us to do that. It's hard for us to imagine something, some situation where I could be completely loving and at the same time completely full of wrath towards something because we're people and not God. But I just want you to think about this. If, you, if all you could see was the front of this, you would see red. Let's just imagine that that's God's love. On the other side, so if I flip it over, is orange. Let's just imagine that is God's wrath. And when he's fully this, that doesn't mean he stops being this. And actually, this is a very imperfect illustration because God is all of these things at once. But this might help you to think about when God is completely merciful, but he's also a judge. And he doesn't stop being one. He's always all of them. Now, that's because part of us is like, this is our experience with those things. I'm, let's just see, mostly loving, but a little angry or something like that, right? I can't solve this now, even just moving it twice. I'm going to have to put that away. God is all of those things at once. There's power in that, and there's set-apartness in that. 
hallowed be, in the last part this morning, your name. God's name really is who God is. Just this morning, in my Bible reading, I read Exodus 34, just happened to be, I'm sure it didn't just happen to be, God wanted me to add this in for you this morning. Exodus 34 is where God, in the first person, describes himself to Moses. It's the most complete description that God ever gives people. And here's the passage, Exodus 34, verse 5 through 7. God comes down in a cloud. He stands before Moses, and here's what it says, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The Lord passed in front of him, of Moses, and here's what God proclaimed. The Lord, the Lord, is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Now, if that's confusing to you, that's because God is like that Rubik's Cube. He is fully loving on one side, but that doesn't stop him from being wrathful towards sin. He's fully merciful and forgiving, but that doesn't mean he stops the consequences of our sinful actions from affecting other people, even the third and fourth generation that follow us. God is all of those things at once. God, when we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, what we're really saying is, Daddy, would your name, would your reputation, would your essence, would your person, would your being... Be honored for who you really are in my life. You guys know what one of the most popular growing uh, luxury cars are in our country? The T stands for Tesla. And third most now, uh, I think still behind Mercedes and BMW. When you, if you bought a Tesla, you would come to expect something about it, Right? about how it's made, about how it performs, about the craftsmanship. Uh, They don't actually describe themselves as a luxury car. They use the word premium. So they're not luxury. They're premium. You have certain expectations because the emblem, the name of the company is on the car, right? God's name is that way. My prayer is that today and throughout this series that you would encounter God's name, his reputation, his character, his heart in a profound way. And I think it can change our lives. I think it can change our lives if we encounter God for who he is. Next week, we're going to focus in on God's kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done, which is actually God's kingdom and our response to his kingdom personally. I hope that you'll come back for that. I'm going to close with prayer. We're going to close today and we'll probably close next week and we might do it every Sunday throughout the series by praying this prayer that's very familiar together. So if you want to stand band, if you want to come up, I will pray and then I will lead us in this prayer and we'll sing a closing song in response to God, which really does talk a bit about, it's a song Waymaker, who God is and what he's like in relationship to us. Bow your head with me. God, thank you for your daddy heart for us. You love us 
you like every one of us. You simply want to be with us and to have us enjoy being with you. Sometimes we don't because we misunderstand what you're like. We think things about you that aren't really true because of our experiences with other people, because of circumstances that have come into our lives. God, I pray today that someone here who has a misconception about who you are, that you would, by your Spirit, help or begin the journey to correcting that, that they might see you as the loving, gracious, fair Father in heaven, maybe the Father they never had. Lord, we get mixed up in how we see you. Daddy, help us to see you for who you really are. Pray that you do that today and throughout this series that this familiar prayer would become an engaging pathway of us knowing you better. Now, the words will be on the screen. If you need them, you can follow along as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.